This is the primal scream of a dying regime. Pray for our enemies, because we're going medieval on these people. You're just not got a free shot on all these networks lying about the people. The people have had a belly full of it. I know you don't like hearing that. I know you try to do everything in the world to stop that, but you're not going to stop it. It's going to happen. And where do people like that go to share the big lie? MAGA media. I wish in my soul, I wish that any of these people had a conscience. Ask yourself, what is my task and what is my purpose? If that answer is to save my country, this country will be saved. War Room. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. concerns about libraries grooming children. That is an extremist view of libraries. Almost no one in the public shares that view. In my vision of a socialist future, our systems for sharing are robust. Libraries need to be seen as a terrain of struggle for those of us on the left. And it, it becomes difficult to think about law as something of the sort of real thing that needs to be complied with. It's fun and frothy to read about gay people doing gay things. I have a right to read those materials, and the library has an obligation to provide those to me as part of the public that they serve. The family, marriage, and home. And for those of us whose queerness includes the subversion of those kinds of normal family types, this ideological story excludes us. It, it makes it hard to sort of make the decision to buy a book, and make the decision to host a drag queen story hour, make the decision to include a gay book in your collection. Like, it makes it very, very scary because you could be, um, you know, there have been bills passed to put a bounty on librarians' heads for circulating child pornography. Bisexuality, homosexuality, and lesbianism, those are listed in the classification as two different things. Transvestism, transsexualism, and then we move to sort of more socially, uh, you can see it as sort of progressing from socially best and most, most acceptable to least acceptable. Sadism, masochism, fetishism, prostitution, and then masturbation. And I think it depends on how the cultural moment views masturbation, but to see it in this list um, tells us something about how it was viewed at the time that the classification was developed. Welcome to the War Room. It's 30 August, year of our Lord, 2023. Sorry to start the show on such a horrifically degenerate note. It is, of course, Natalie Winters filling in for Stephen K. Bannon. I guess we can only go up from there. The Chinese Communist Party and Mao Zedong may have had the little red guards, but here in the United States, we have, that is the new president of the American Library Association, believe it or not, a self-declared Marxist revolutionary type who wants to dictate 
think not just the kind of books that your children are reading, but what, frankly, their sexuality is. And joining me to discuss that and so much more is the man, the president behind the group that made that. I want to call it a wonderful video, but I don't think that's quite exactly what I mean. What is really a, a scary, uh, with much gravity video uh, of what these people want to do to our children. It's absolutely horrific and it's satanic. I'll call it what it is. But Tom Jones, you are the president of the American Accountability Foundation. Um, there's so much I want to get to you to talk to, with, uh, to talk with you about. Also, who they want to lead the National Institutes of Health, uh, maybe even scarier than Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci, if that's possible. But before we get into all of that, I would love if you could run the audience through what we just watched, exactly who that person is and the influence that she's going to have over the classroom, classrooms of young Americans. Yeah, so thanks for having me on. Um, so the video you just watched is Emily Drabinsky, and she's the president of the American Library Association. And it's important to understand who the ALA is. They are really the singular professional association for librarians in the United States. That's the librarian in your public school. That's the librarian in your local public library in your county. Uh, that's the libraries, uh, librarians at your university. So they have a direct pipeline to those people. And what they do is they set the agenda for how books are distributed in libraries, how books are presented to young people, and how those young people have access to, to the materials um, and what the materials are. And I think when you listen to Emily, you, you get a really, um, a really troubling view of what her agenda is for her organization and what her worldview is. It's not a worldview that's, uh, that's frankly shared by your viewers, but unfortunately it's a worldview that their children are going to be getting when they go into the public libraries in their communities. It's absolutely appalling. And I always say the worst sort of hit pieces are when they're, they're the hit pieces that write themselves because you don't exactly. even have to dig that deep. It's the quotes that they say right openly and publicly. You can only imagine what she really thinks, what she keeps inside and doesn't let out because she thinks it's too radical. Now, we'll definitely get into what exactly it is you guys do at the American Accountability yeah. Foundation and how the War Room Posse can, can call and what they can do to make sure this, this, lady doesn't have any power over what kids are reading. But I also wanted to hit on you guys have had really done some wonderful exposés and research uh, into who the new potential director at the National Institutes of Health um, is going to be, of course, an important position when we start to see the fear mongering, the potential yeah. COVID lockdowns, COVID mask mandates being exactly. reinstated. Um, I know there's sort of two fronts. One is her ties to big pharma and just her general incompetence seems to be a hallmark of those uh, working for Joe Biden. But if you could walk the audience through and, and Feel free to get granular, go into the details about how compromised by Big Pharma um, this new potential NIH director is. Yeah, so person you need to become familiar with, her name is Monica Bertignoli, and she currently runs the National Cancer Institute. They're a huge funder of research in the United States, um, and Joe Biden wants to give her a promotion to run the National Institutes of Health. Um, so why is that a problem? I think what we saw during the COVID lockdowns was just the crazy influence that big pharma had over decision decision making in the American government. And really, if you kind of peel back the layers, you see that Monica Bertignoli is essentially bought and owned by the Pfizer's and Amgen's of the world. What those companies do is they send money to big foundations. Monica Bertignoli sits at the top of those foundations. Then those foundations send money to hospitals and research institutions. And then those research institutions write seven-figure salaries for, for Monica Bertignoli and her colleagues. So it's a, 
it's essentially big pharma's got got a direct pipeline into her into her pocketbook and they're going to be driving the decision making at NIH and what you know what we see is what happens during the covid lockdowns and during the vax mandates is we get a government that mandates that we take these drugs that haven't been well tested that have serious healthcare concerns and they do it because the the Pfizer's of the world the Moderna's of the world have influence over over policymakers because they have a, again this direct pipeline uh, into their pocketbook. So I think you need to be really concerned about Bertignoli because if she runs NIH, she's going to be doing the bidding of the Pfizer's of the world. Now, if that wasn't bad enough, what we've discovered is also she's her background as a physician is really problematic. She's literally in court right now for a wrongful death suit for misdiagnosing a cancer patient. A woman who worked in one of the hospitals she worked on was her patient, and she got the diagnosis wrong, and that woman's now suing her for wrongful death. This is Bertignoli's fourth malpractice suit. Now, look, malpractice happens all the time if you're a physician. It's part of doing business. It doesn't happen four times, and most importantly, it doesn't happen, it doesn't go to jury very often. This is what we found early in Bertignoli's career is that she, botched what is a, a simple procedure, a hernia repair. This is day-in, day-out work for a physician. Uh, this is something they should be able to do pretty easily. She got it completely wrong, did such damage to this woman, she had to have multiple surgeries done to repair the hernia. That woman sued Bertignoli, took it to trial, which is extremely unusual, and got nearly a half a million dollar settlement against Monica Bertignoli. We have two other suits in, in Bertignoli's past that where she was sued for malpractice. So we're seeing, you know, both the problematic ties to big pharma and then a series of really, really bad decisions and really bad care for patients. And this is the person that we're going to put in charge of the largest healthcare bureaucracy in the world. I, it's just kind of gobsmacking that these are the kind of people that we're going to have leading our government. So, it, you know, She's down in the weeds, but it's somebody you really need to care about because, like you said, when this COVID stuff kind of percolates back up and they're doing mask mandates and, oh, hey, we've got the 57th different booster that you need to take now, the person who's driving those decisions is Dr. Dr. Monica Bertignoli, and you need to know who she is. I'd say the biggest red flag about her to me is the fact that Anthony Fauci uh, endorsed exactly. her and said she was very good at her job. Tom, really, thank you so much for joining us. I really love the work that you guys do. I know you can go to American-AF.org. I think I'm getting that website correct, and maybe Denver can. They can put that up on the screen. But real quick, just like the first story that you told us about, and of course with yeah. this new NIH lady, you know, you really get to, to the, I think, what the core issue here is. The question is, you know, is it incompetent? or is it intentional? And I think the first story is a case of intentional exactly. evil. I think the second, I guess Monica gets both. She's both incompetent, but it's also an intentional on the side of, you know, doing the bidding yeah. of big pharma. So if people want to help support your mission, who should they go, where should they go to figure that out? But specifically on the issue of the American Library Association gal, who should they, I don't know if she's a gal or a guy, whatever she is, she's, she's uh, but who, who should they call to, uh, <laughs> to, well, to make sure she does not have influence? So I, I think this gets back to being involved in your local communities, because what the American Library Association is doing is they're pushing these books into your local library as, you know, as, as middle schoolers books, and they're essentially gay porn masquerading as, um, you know, as, as gender books. So you need to go into your library, you need to 
reach into the shelves, and you need to pull these books out, and you need to say, look, this is not acceptable, and this needs to be taken off the shelves. And if your librarian doesn't listen to you, you need to go to your county executive, and you need to say to them, look, you've got a rogue librarian down at the local library who's putting this, this filth essentially within you know, arm's reach of my 12-year-old, and it's got to stop. Um, so they need to engage. They can shut these people down. They can stop this practice. But it doesn't stop until you know concerned conservative Americans walk into their, their community libraries and into their community council, county councilmen and say, look, this stuff's got just got to stop. So that's really how you cut off Emily Jarinsky and the ALAs. You go to your local lawmakers and say, look, these these Marxists, and look, this isn't hyperbole. You heard her say she's a Marxist. This Marxist wants to influence our community, and we mm-hmm. cannot allow this here um, in our county. And Tom, where can people find you? American-AF.org. Uh, the dash is important, um, but that's where you find us to find all of our <laughs> research. We're also exposing Biden on Twitter. That's where we put out a lot of kind of the latest breaking research. Um, and that's a really good place to keep up with us uh, day to day, exposing Biden on Twitter. It's a must follow. Tom, thank you so much for joining us and thank you for the work that you do. Hey, thanks for having me on. Of course. And speaking of the deranged agendas that they want to push on your children in the classroom, we have someone who's not trying to push a deranged agenda on your kid, someone who's trying to stop it in all walks of life and non-life. That is, of course, AI that I'm talking about. The one and only Joe Allen, who is here actually in studio. Pardon me, I always thought he was like a hologram or not or not real, but he is indeed real. Joe, we only got about a minute and a half before we have to jump to break, but I want you to tee up. Just I always love this story. I know Steve and I may be different on it, but what does Bill Gates want to do with your children in their classroom? You know, uh, there are a lot of things that Bill Gates wants to do to children, uh, no pun intended, but the, the Boom. thing that's been the, the forefront in the last couple of weeks is using artificial intelligence to teach children, and he bills it as a way to uplift poor communities. I think Bill Gates has used uh, poverty for an excuse for his bizarre experiments and also just as a, a sort of laboratory for everything from vaccination to mass digitization to, uh, many will recall in the Netflix special, toilets that produce drinking water. So um, we'll get back to what he wants to do to your kids' brains, but it's uh, to me, I think parents really need to have this on their radar. That was a nice segue because you know we're coming up to break. You're, make, you're making my job easier or you're, or you're trying to come for my job. Maybe that's what it is. It's fun. I've never actually gotten to, to co-host with someone else in studio. But we also have a full lineup of very wonderful guests. we got Sarab Amari. He has a new book out that we'll be talking about. Uh, who else do we have? We also got uh, A.G. Dan Bishop and Garrett Ventry talking about the latest way uh, that the DOJ is running interference for the Biden family. In this case, you guessed it. For Hunter Biden. Uh, and of course, we've got Joe Allen in the studio to talk about his new book, too, which in this commercial break, you should go get. As central banks and countries like China, India, Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the United States of America. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or even easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold Group. They want to have a physical asset that's independent from the U.S. dollar. Gold held tax sheltered in a retirement account. Remember, gold 
held in your tax-sheltered retirement account. Learn if gold is right for you. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898. That's Bannon, 989898. And Birch Gold will send you a free information kit today. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, Birch Gold has been helping my listeners and viewers from the very beginning of the show. Text Bannon, B-A-N-N-O-N, to 989898 and claim your free info kit on gold because of a central bank digital currency becomes reality. It'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Take action. Use your agency. Do it today. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to The War Room. It still is Natalie Winters hosting. No, Stephen K. Bannon. I know I should probably put the pens on the collar to pay pay my respects, but it's okay. Uh, Because our next guest is very brilliant, almost, I would say, equally brilliant as Steve. Uh, A good friend. Funnily enough, I actually drove with him and uh, the driver to Tim Pool's show last week. So it was a a meeting of the minds, and we talked, and he was telling me about his new book. He's, of course, been on War Room before. He used to live in Murdoch land, worked for, I believe, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, but it's okay. We we don't hold grudges here in the War Room because you are reformed. You're, of course, one of the leading voices on sort of the the intellectual populist right. That is, of course, Sarab Amari. And I, I have a very specific question for you before we get into your new book, Tyranny Inc. Now, I remember for the last few years, if not decade, that the mainstream media and the establishments refrain on the so-called deep state, the administrative state, which is a lot, I think, of what your book focuses on, that that was just a conspiracy theory, right? There was no evidence that it actually existed. Donald Trump's crusade to end it was misplaced because it didn't exist in the first place. But I saw very interestingly yesterday, I believe it was published, um, from Francis Fukuyama, a a multi-page, really expose journal article into the deep state titled In Defense of the Deep State. And it goes in painful detail, I read all of it, as to how the administrative state actually benefits the American people, the American workers, particularly the American working class and American middle class. And it really struck a chord with me when I was reading the introduction to your book because that's sort of a pivot on their messaging because now it's a tacit admission that, A, the deep state exists, but now the new spin is that Actually, middle America, shut up and take it because the administrative state, it's actually what we need. It's going to take care of you because you're not actually capable enough for self-governance or the rule of government that we had set out by our founding fathers. So I'm just curious, Srab, given the book that you've written, your thoughts on this sort of new train of thought coming out of the establishment that the administrative state is actually something that, you know, average working Americans should be grateful for. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think we should distinguish two things. There is a deep state for sure. uh, And we've learned that since the rise of Trump and the Trump phenomenon, which is the sort of security apparatus that um, does not like U.S. foreign policy to change um, and views kind of populist movements like President Trump's above all as um, a threat to its agenda. Um, So it's like the people who signed that letter uh, 
50 intelligence officials, former intelligence officials, saying that the New York Post's Hunter Biden reporting was, quote, Russian information operations, when in fact, we all know that was not true. I was the opinion editor of the New York Post at the time, so I was kind of in the center of that storm. Um, there's no evidence that it was Russian misinformation. Uh, and they, they, nevertheless, they said that and the whole media ran with it. And instead of the media using, you, doing what it's supposed to do, which is when intelligence officials you know, make a claim, you're supposed to be adversarial and question it. Most of the media like clapped like seals and were like, yes, yes, sir. Yes, Mr. Clapper, it is Russian misinformation. Um, so that's that. Um, there is a more complicated thing, which is that you know, Congress began delegating uh, elements of how to govern our complex economy to um, what's called the administrative state, various agencies. Um, I have, you know, your readers, your listeners might be surprised. I have more complicated, you know, feelings about that. My position is that um, these agencies can definitely be really undemocratic. Um, at the same time, we sort of need them. Like our economy is really complex and, and Congress cannot make specific enough rules for, for example, how the railroads should run. Whereas, of course, we have, you know, the massive rail network we've had since the 19th century. And we learned in the 19th century that that can't be just left to, you know, railroad barons own devices because railroad barons can also be selfish and undemocratic and, and to push down the middle class and the working class. So there came this thing like, you know, this National Transportation Board or the, um, you know, the FAA for regulating flights and so forth. So I sometimes I do flinch when conservatives go after the, the entire, you know, administrative state because I wouldn't want to eat like canned food. Once the administrative state is abolished, <laughs> I'd be I'd hesitate about getting on an airplane. Um, once the FAA is abolished, so, you know, I think that said. The problem is that these agencies are beyond the sort of power of the president. They're supposed to be an extension of the of the executive branch, but they've become sort of their own branch. And the way and and of course they become very resistant to when the when the when the executive branch typically when it's a Republican and it wants to give them a new direction, they just do their own thing. But the way to fix that, I don't think, is to say abolish the administrative state because there was a reason it emerged in a complex economy. But there are reforms we can do to make sure that the administrative state is less corrupt and less uh, anti-democratic. There was a, uh, I think it was one of the leading articles in the Wall Street Journal, I believe, yesterday, talking about sort of more on the international level. Is the world is contemplating a second Trump administration? Possibility that former president will win next year's election as capitals across globe on edge, and they go through talking about, how, oh no, if Trump wins again, Ukraine isn't going to get its aid, and we're going to pull out of the WHO and tariffs. Oh no, that's so bad for the you know neoliberal world. Order, of course, I think when you read that piece, my takeaway is, you know, the voice for the average American, the typical Trump supporter is nowhere near in there. The benefits that they got and, and will continue to get from a second Trump uh, term, that's sort of a, a moot point, at least when it comes to the Wall Street Journal. So I'd love to get into to your book now. we got a few minutes and if you want, you can stay with us through the break. But when you talk about Tyranny, Inc., that is, of course, the book and we'll let everyone know where they can get it or pre-order it. Um, what do you think tyranny, I know that's a, a broad word, but looks like under Joe Biden? Can you just sort of give us 
some of the, I, I think, best examples that you run through in the book, and I know the audience is very familiar with it, but just through the lens of the book, in other words, how you go about solving it um, and really the roots of it, it, it really is an interesting read. So if you just want to explain that a little bit, I'm sure the audience would appreciate it. Yeah, I think that everyone, especially on the right, suddenly became alert to the fact that tyranny isn't only what government does to us. And my, the argument of the book is that these days, some of the most serious uh, threats to uh, American liberty come from uh, the private sector, from large corporations, from Wall Street. And I go through a number of examples demonstrating this. There are ones that are really high profile and which conservatives are now especially alert to, and rightly so, like big tech censorship. Um, and it happens often in collusion with federal power. And so there's this kind of terrifying matrix of you know, government and corporate power. And precisely because it's a corporation doing it, we are told that, oh, sorry, like your normal expectations of free speech don't apply here. You signed up for the terms of service, so you have to put up with whatever some Silicon Valley oligarch and his managers sort of dictate. And that's kind of profoundly anti-American, but I, I, I found I've been shocked in recent years by the way in which progressives, especially, or left of center people, remember, were supposed to be on the side of the little guy, have become so comfortable with big tech censorship. There are ways, I mean, like, as you said, solutions, there are ways to fix that drawn from the American tradition. Of all people, for example, that famous, infamous Marxist theorist, Clarence Thomas, has suggested that um, big tech should be uh, governed using the common carrier doctrine, which is an old English common law doctrine going back centuries, which basically says that certain kind of providers that everyone has to access, like toll bridges and um, ferries that like are necessary to connect two communities and so on, those kinds of entities cannot discriminate against you arbitrarily or unreasonably. So like your phone company, your landline phone company, at least thanks be to God right now, can't ban you for the things that you say on your private phone calls. And so the same thing could be applied to big yes. tech or to, yeah. bank, or to banks to prevent banks from debanking people like happened with Nigel Farage. But I do think it just means that you know, conservatives have to get out of that mentality, um, which maybe made sense during the Reagan era, but really doesn't speak to our world today of, you know, markets always know best, you know, big, big business knows what it's, big business is conservative. All of that, we've been disillusioned of all of that. And so I think it just means a willingness to, you know, use use state power to, to defend the powerless. And that's a very old American idea. You know, you can go back to the Jacksonian era um, to for its kind of first forceful expression. And I think we should. And I think the Trump movement in many ways did. You mentioned tariffs, you know. It was just taken for granted that we have to live in a borderless world of, you know, cheap consumer goods, but the destruction of middle-class, good, well-paying union jobs. And, you know, President Trump said no. And now it's, even the Biden administration, to some extent, has to keep in place the tariffs that he put on China. Sarab, so, can you hang with us through the break? Happily, thank you. 
Okay, and Joe, we can sort of do like a two-for-one book heel deal here because Joe also has a book. I feel like I'm a, a book pumper right now. Um, but Joe, real quick, just about 30 seconds because I think there is an interesting overlap. How much do you think of this tyrannical expansion as being aided and abetted by AI? I think that artificial intelligence, like any technology, allows for the, uh, the exertion of power. You know, artificial intelligence really hinges on surveillance data gathering and allows for authorities to organize that data in a meaningful fashion to extract the data. So it's undoubted that this is, in a sense, uh, a ring of power. A ring of power. Dark Eon. You got to get it. And you got to get Tyranny, Inc., so Rob and Joe will be with us after the break. We're also going to get Congressman Dan Bishop and Garrett Venturi to talk all things DOJ stonewalling. More of that, believe it or not. It's almost like they're acting tyrannically like the Chinese Communist Party, believe it or not. I think that fits in quite nicely with the two books that we're talking about now. And, of course, the two wonderful gentlemen who wrote both of those books. We will be right back after this break with Sarab Amari and Joe Al. If you're sick and tired of the globalist leftist takeover of America's corporations, go to PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon and support a company that actually believes in America. For 10 years, Patriot Mobile has been America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. Let me repeat, America's only Christian conservative wireless provider. And when I say only, trust me, they're the only one. Glenn Story and the team have been great supporters of this show, which is why I'm proud to partner with them. Patriot Mobile offers dependable nationwide coverage, giving you the ability to access all three major networks, which means you get the same coverage you've been accustomed to without funding the left, without funding people that hate you. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you're sending the message that you support free speech, religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment, and our military veterans and first responder heroes. Their 100% U.S.-based customer service team makes switching easy. Keep your number, keep your phone, or upgrade. Just go to patriotmobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT, P-A-T-R-I-O-T, 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Bannon. We need to stand together and support companies that share our values. PatriotMobile.com slash Bannon or call 878-PATRIOT. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bannon. Welcome back to the War Room. I think it's probably a good as time, good as times ever to plug Birch Gold, the end of the dollar empire. You should go to birchgold.com slash Bannon. They used to let me do the MyPillow reads. I don't know what happened. Uh, now I'm doing the Birch Gold reads, but it's all good. Make sure you go to birchgold.com slash Bannon to get the end of the dollar empire. And I know Joe has to punch his hologram. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but Joe, obviously you have dark eona it's really heavy it's a really big book i love the paper people should definitely go get it um but my question for you it goes back to what we were talking about i just think what they're doing particularly to the children um with artificial intelligence the agenda that they're using uh these i'll use the word listless vessels ai sort of to push a certain agenda 
just curious, can you really hone in and how this book details how they're using it in the classrooms, really with the weaponization of government to push certain agendas, certain ideologies down people's throats? Well, I go into it in the book. Uh, it's something I really rely a lot on. Uh, John Kleisick, who wrote School World Order. Uh, be sure to buy my book first, but it's a fantastic book and well worth the read. Uh, what I'm talking about in Dark Eon is uh, a, a series of plans to completely change human society, human psychology, uh, the most ambitious human biology. And most, the average person, A, is probably not aware of that movement, even as it happens around them. But uh, B, uh, most normal people would never accept this, right? Like, just like most people who had their wits about them probably wouldn't have accepted an experimental mRNA vaccine before the COVID panic really shook them up. But one thing that you can count on with any kind of civilizational transformation, societal transformation, uh, children are very vulnerable to new ideas. They're impressionable, right? And so what you, if you want to change a society, you have to change the children first. Now, I'm not saying that Bill Gates has an evil plot that he's rubbing his hands, I'll get the children first. I'm not saying he's not either. What I am saying is that the introduction of artificial intelligence as a companion for children, as a trusted teacher to children, normalizes that human-machine relationship. And if it didn't take away from what I consider to be the most valuable, the organic connections, I suppose it wouldn't matter. But I think that you already see it with children now. Children want to know, what's the answer to my question? They turn to a machine. They say, I, I want companionships. I want friends. What do I do? They turn to a machine. So on and so forth, on up to romantic life. Uh, it's, it's varied from kid to kid, but those that are at the extremes are the canaries in the coal mine. And I think that the entire enterprise of artificial intelligence-based education is is just another step on the way to something that is less human and uh, in the ambitions of transhumanists and posthumanists, uh, not human at all. Mao had the little red guard. I guess we have the little red bots. So, the Joe, if people want to get the book, where can they go? Uh, you can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Bookshop.org has sold out, but uh, they will have more. And, uh, of course, uh, you can find links on my site, jobot.xyz, uh, social media slave chain, at J-O-E-B-O-T-X-Y-Z. Uh, I hope that it gives you some sense of what could come should we not make the proper decisions. Joe Allen, you are a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Natalie. <laughs> Now, Sarah, before I let you go, and I want you to tell everyone how they can get your book, Tyranny, Inc., I just have one quick question for you, which I think is probably a pretty clear answer, but sort of through the lens, the paradigm that you explore in the book, what does the tyranny or lack thereof or potential acceleration of uh, look like in a post-2024 election world where you either have Joe Biden or whoever the Democrats choose to run? Um or you have Donald Trump win. What do you think those two compete, competing universes look like, and where can people get the book? I think Sarab may be muted. Sorry. I was just going to say... If so now now we you. can hear you. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I think if people want... Um, a world in which, you know, politics compasses uh, the market once more, and we don't have these kind of giant uh, corporations 
kind of running our lives. On some things, I think President Trump is much better. Uh, I have to say, I mean, I think on labor issues, I I'll, I'll put it out there. I'm, you know, I'm an old old school kind of pro labor, and that means even pro union guy. Maybe people won't check out the book after hearing this, but President Trump has been that way himself as well, and he won the highest share of union households, um, marginal share of union households for any Republican nominee in 2016 since Ronald Reagan. Uh, but unfortunately, sometimes when he goes around to staff a Republican administration, it's like the same old conventional on ink types that that actually run things. So I think that's been unfortunate. Um, but on many other issues, you know, like uh, I think we need to get immigration under control. That's a huge fact. If you have an unreserved, uh, it, this sort of endless reserve of hyper exploitable illegal immigrants, that's not good for working class people either. Um, so I think that's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, but people can find the book anywhere books are sold, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, you know, your local favorite uh, bookstore. Thank you. So, Rob, thank you so much for joining us. And I'm sure the War Room Posse will still read the book. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs> and I think we have Congressman Dan Bishop with us. A true honor for you to be joining us. You are a legend, one of the best fighters <laughs> that we have, of course, a member of the weaponization. I met Dan a very, very, very long time ago. I was probably like 20 at a Freedom Works convention down in Florida. I wasn't Steve's co-host yet. And I remember you talked to me for like 30 minutes. I was like, he's so nice. He's actually listening to me. And now here we are. So I guess God works in, in funny and mysterious ways. But Congressman, I would love to get your thoughts. We have breaking news. Uh, again, I'm sure you're not surprised that the DOJ, the FBI are stonewalling your efforts to investigate Hunter Biden. This time, Jim Jordan being told that FBI subpoenas uh, cannot be enforced with regard to the Hunter Biden inquiry. Your thoughts? What is the path forward to make sure we can get these investigations going up to full speed? First of all, Natalie, it really is nice to be with you and uh, glad to see you've come such a <laughs> long way and you found yourself to the right place. The war room is an amazing phenomenon. I appreciate Bannon and uh, all the viewers and listeners. Uh, look, I, so the this fundamental constitutional question about what are the limits of Congress oversight power and when can the White House refuse to cooperate with Congress's uh, lawful instructions to, uh, to turn over information through a subpoena? And there is a longstanding idea that ongoing criminal investigations in the run-of-the-mill criminal investigations are the executive branch's business, and therefore the, the executive branch has asserted these ideas, you know, that Justice Department talks about its longstanding department policies. Well, it's just an agency. It's just a a branch of the America of the uh, executive, excuse me, an agency of the executive branch in Congress, and they and they must respond to Congress. I think what we have to do is we have to proceed at full speed to uh, get before the uh, Judiciary Committee a markup on a, uh, a resolution of contempt and get it on the floor and pass it promptly. Now, it does beg the question what comes after that, because Congress doesn't have a police force to go and arrest the, the uh, person who hasn't shown up to testify and to bring them in. And we have to ultimately rely, frankly, um, for a contempt prosecution on the de Department of Justice that is refusing to respond. So it sounds like sort of uh, stalemate, except what people need to understand is Congress still has the power of the purse. And if it were up to me, um, 
there would be an immense appropriations impact on the Justice Department while it doesn't cooperate. This is not a run-of-the-mill criminal investigation that we're talking about. What is going on is, is evidence has emerged of the improper use of influence to protect Hunter Biden because he is the president's son. We've seen those uh, whistleblowers from the IRS, uh, uh, consummate professionals. Uh, we've seen this belated appointment of Weiss as special counsel after we were assured repeatedly it was unnecessary. Nothing's changed except the development of those whistleblowers and then the plea deal falling apart. We cannot relent. We must get after it right away. We're going back into session from August recess immediately after the Labor Day week coming up, and it ought to be the first order of business. It's so clear that the Biden family took money from the Chinese Communist Party and not just that they're financially compromised, but they're ideologically compromised, too, because they're quite literally using these same tactics that the Chinese Communist Party uses to silence their whistleblowers on Americans here on True American Patriots. Now, I know you guys also issued just recently a fresh round of subpoenas on the aptly named Center for Countering Digital Hate. What a what a term. They are there. The hate. Um, yeah. You know, the, on the front. Right. Exactly. OK. Accuse your enemies of what you're guilty of. If there's anything but, the left is good at, it's that if you could walk us through real quick why exactly people should know about this very innocuously, or I guess, euphemistically named organization. And more importantly, why you're subpoenaing them and what you hope to get uh, with this investigation. We have a few minutes left. Yeah. The sanctimony on the left is always astonishing. Are these people sort of like the southern a poverty law center that names everybody a hate group just because they're conservative. <laughs> These guys created or dubbed what they called the disinformation dozen. I don't remember everybody that was in it, but Alex Berenson was one, and other names are not coming to mind. But but they they worked with the White House, and we and Jim Jordan sent a letter to them in a subpoena asking them for information about their interaction with agencies, which at least a court has preliminarily held constituted censorship in, the viol in violation of the First Amendment. We've been looking into all that complex, and they've said, we're not cooperating with you. Well, same deal. It's not going to go as well for them as it is for the Justice Department, because uh, we can enforce against a, an individual uh, or an entity like that out in the society out in the United States. So we will do that, uh, but they need to turn over their information, and we need to see the degree to which they were uh, conspiring with the White House to shut down Americans' free speech on social media. Well, Congressman, and I wish I could always call you Congressman Bishop, but I know you have bigger and better plans. You're running, of course, for Attorney General in North Carolina. So if people want to support you and stay up to date with everything campaign-related, but, of course, also on the front of what you're doing while you're still in Congress, because something tells me you're not giving them an inch for the last uh, year you got in office now, where can people find you? You better believe it, Natalie. We're coming back in that September time frame <laughs> with the fiscal year end coming up. And we're going to be, I'm afraid there's going to be some ram, ram, rambunctiousness as we're going to get some things done there. But people who want to follow that, that campaign can join me at votedanbishop.com. I need their help. It's a very important tool, Natalie, and another great way uh, to carry forward the battle. Congressman Bishop, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you.
And I think we have Garrett Venturi on the phone. I might be mistaken. We got about a minute before we have to go to break. But real quick, Garrett, you are a former senior communications advisor to the United States Senate Judiciary Committee. Of course, you know what is going on when it comes to the weaponization of government. Your thoughts on the tactics that Biden's DOJ is trying to use to stonewall the investigation into Hunter real quick. Well, Natalie, it's always good to be on with you. I know you're misinformation, and so it's great to obviously be with you. I uh, love War Room. Uh, I think it's, it's all about, real quick, just protecting Joe Biden. This entire thing has been about that. If you look back at 2018 regarding the FBI's, quote-unquote, Russia collusion investigation, when Mueller was still investigating, it was an ongoing investigation. And so there's precedent to bring somebody in here. They brought in Strzok at the time in 2018 here, and so it's just very interesting that DOJ is stonewalling now. Change the big thing that has changed. This is obviously about getting to the bottom of why Hunter Biden got a sweetheart deal, both with uh, gun charges, having a gun uh, illegally and not supposed to possess that weapon. And then number two, obviously committing tax fraud on hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that doesn't even start to get into the biggest scandal of all, which is they attempted to give him a backdoor pardon, essentially, um, for future crimes to do probably to deal with this form. And Garrett, we're coming up against the break. We'll hold you through because there's a lot more we want to get into, specifically how Donald J. Trump is dominating in the polls. We'll be right back after this break. You should choose an air purifier like your life depends on it because it just might. More than 35,000 wildfires have devastated the U.S. this year. The toxins and particles in wildfire smoke can penetrate our lungs and threaten our health. That's why EnviroCleanse developed military-grade air purification for your home. And they just announced their biggest sale of the year. Save a massive 30% off during their Labor Day sale. EnviroCleanse is specifically designed to wipe out airborne chemicals and viruses known to cause illness, allergies, and difficulty breathing. Even toxic gases and particles found in wildfire smoke are no match for EnviroCleanse. That's why the Department of Defense chose EnviroCleanse to protect the air on board our Navy combatants. And EnviroCleanse comes with a free professional air quality monitor so you know your family's breathing purified air. Now's the time to save 30% off your air purification unit. Get the free air quality monitor and fast free shipping. That's at 250 bucks savings. Visit ekpure.com and use code Steve. That's ekpure.com, code Steve. Let me repeat, ekpure.com, code Steve. ekpure.com, code Steve. Take action, use your agency, do it today, get the benefits of the sale. Here's your host, Stephen K. Bath. The lawfare that Democrats have waged against President Donald J. Trump and, of course, the tactics that Joe Biden and his lackeys at the Department of Justice have used to stonewall investigations into the misdeeds and misdoings of the family when it comes to taking millions of dollars from foreign countries is such an affront to the rule of law, to the legal system in this country, to American values. Honestly, I don't even I think it's worse than if we had actually implemented Sharia law here in the United States. And I say that not to be dramatic, not to be hyperbolic, but it is such a disgrace how these people are weaponizing the legal system against us Americans, against MAGA, against Donald J. Trump here in the United States, that it, it is as offensive as that. And that, of course, dovetails quite nicely with the previous guests 
that we had on the show. But we still have Garrett Venturi, who I didn't have time in the last block, but full disclosure, I always like to say when I have my friends on the show, is a very dear friend of mine. Um, he's, of course, the senior advisor to Elise Stefanik, used to do comms for uh, Senate Judiciary, used to work for Chuck Grassley. He's sort of like a better version of Mike Davis. Don't tell Mike Davis I said that. Um, but he's also the poll genius when it comes to all of the ways that Donald J. Trump is blowing uh, the Democrats, specifically Joe Biden, out of the water. Garrett, if you want to give us the latest update on how Donald J. Trump is, well, trumping everyone, not just Democrats, but particularly in the Republican primary in the polls, I'm sure the audience would love to hear that. Well, Natalie, that was a great introduction. Obviously, happy to be a friend of yours. I paid you to say that, but I am absolutely smarter than Mike Davis. Just kidding. I love Mike as well. He's my former boss. But um, yeah, in terms of the polling here, I mean, Donald Trump's been running away, just as we started in the GOP primary, he's been running away 30, 40, 50 points, essentially, the last few months here in the GOP primary. And that's, again, against Ron DeSantis and a number of other candidates, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott, Mike Pence, people who thought they could dethrone Donald Trump, and he continues to sit at, you know, sometimes 50, over 60 percent in all these polls. And there's this, like, never Trump, you know, dream here um, that somehow if everybody got out of the race and it was Trump versus DeSantis or Trump versus Youngkin or Trump versus whoever they want to put forward, that they could beat him one-on-one. But if you even look at the New York Times, there's a poll that came out a few weeks ago. Trump versus DeSantis had to head at 60 to 30 Trump over DeSantis. So that's a myth that would happen. Donald Trump just has a stranglehold here. And then if you look at the early states in the GOP primary, Fox Business came out with two polls. He's leading uh, DeSantis in Iowa by 30. He's leading DeSantis in South Carolina by 30. He continues to dominate him in New Hampshire and poll after poll, anywhere from 20, 30, sometimes 40 points. So he has a domination not only on the national pulse, but also on the actual early state numbers. And the second thing I think is interesting, when you look at Joe Biden versus Trump, they've thrown like everything they can at Donald Trump, right? Right now they're trying to take him off the ballot uh, under the 14th Amendment, which is a complete garbage argument. The 14th Amendment had to do with equal protection under law after the Civil War and slavery. And it had to do with banning Confederate soldiers, essentially, from having uh, holding office ever again because of insurrection against the United States. Donald Trump, in any of these cases here, the funny thing about it is he's not been charged with insurrection in D.C. or Georgia. So it's, again, another just really stretched by the Democrats here to try and get Donald Trump off the ballot. The second thing is, if you look at the post-GOP debate polls and you look at the post-indictment in Georgia polls, Donald Trump is dominating Joe Biden in every poll. If you look at New York Post, he's up 44-41. Everson, he's up 46-44. A Dem research firm, um, Shonen and Cooperman, again, this is a Dem firm polling Trump versus Biden. He's up 45-44. And then Reuters has him up 38-32. So Trump has a complete domination over Joe Biden as well. He's, he's really the only candidate that matches up strongly against Joe Biden, too. The other candidates, if you look at some of these polls here, Fox News poll had Nikki Haley down six against Joe Biden and had Ron DeSantis down six against Joe Biden. So, again, Donald Trump is not only dominating in the GOP primary by 30, 40, sometimes 50 points, but he is matching up very strongly and beating Joe Biden in a lot of these polls head to head, even with the indictments. There's always an interesting overlap between bad news dropping about Joe Biden and then suddenly a Trump indictment springs up out of nowhere. I'm sure, but at least from the four indictments that we've sort of been tracking, it seems like they they may be out of future indictments, but it does seem like there might be something in the water in the works out in Arizona and, of course, some other states, too. But I'm just curious, Garrett, we only got a few minutes 
it's clear the indictments aren't working. And, and your estimation, you're, of course, a political strategist type. Uh, you're in D.C. a lot. What do you think is sort of the next iteration of lawfare that Democrats are going to be using against Donald Trump because they know they can't beat him at the polls, given all the numbers you just rattled off? Absolutely. And they, that's the whole point about this. They know they can't beat him at the ballot box. They waited two and a half years to bring charges against Trump. Uh, they could have brought them immediately after January 6th. They didn't. They wait till he was a declared candidate for president, surging in the polls, not only in the Republican Party, but against Joe Biden, like you pointed out. And the timing, Natalie, is very interesting, like you've said here. If you look at it here, in March, Hunter Biden admits the laptop's real, right? What happens the next day? Donald Trump said he's received a target letter from Alvin Bragg, and then he's indicted a few weeks later. Then you have, you know, in June, you have uh, Comer and Grassley saying they have a FBI source telling them, a whistleblower, that Joe Biden was allegedly involved in a bribery scheme the next day he's uh, indicted in the documents case. And this happens over and over again, right? Devin Archer testifies July 31st that Joe Biden was the brand. He was put on speakerphone. And then the next day, what happens, the D.C., January 6th case drops against Donald Trump, the indictment. And then the same things happened here in Georgia. So this is, again, they're going to throw everything at Donald Trump. The next thing you're going to see is they're going to try and take him off the ballot. Because, again, they can't beat him at the ballot box. They can't beat him on the indictments. He continues to surge in the polls and only gets stronger, not only with the Republican base, but with voters. And so over 50 percent of voters in a Fox poll say they think this is politically motivated. So the next thing they're going to do is try to get him off the ballot because, again, they cannot beat him at the ballot box. But I think that argument is futile, and uh, there's really not many – there's not precedent for it. It's really never been used. And, again, it goes back to the Civil War and the Confederacy. That was the original meaning of the 14th Amendment, not taking off uh, someone off the ballot for challenging the election results, which he has every right under the Electoral Account Act and First Amendment. Let's not forget the last thing I'll say here is Democrats have challenged Certainly. results of pretty much every single – Republican victory over the last three decades in the White House. They challenged all the way up to the Supreme Court in 2001 against George W. Bush. In 2004, Barbara Boxer, a Democrat senator from California, stood on the Senate floor, objected and to George Garrett, Bush's win again. We got to jump. Not. Yep. I know you're MAGA yeah. to your core. People want to find <laughs> you on social media. Where can they go? I'm on uh, all social media outlets that just act Garrett Ventry. I appreciate having me, Natalie. Of course, he is a must-follow. And War Room Posse, thank you so much for hanging out with me. Make sure you go to warroom.org to check out the latest story on how Joe Biden is spending your taxpayer dollars to start buying up COVID-19 equipment because you guessed it. COVID-19 is back, or at least if it fits Joe Biden's radical social agenda and big pharma profits. Have a good one. See you. We'll be back. Folks, let me tell you about Salty. It's a company that makes a soft gel supplement rich in antioxidants to help people like you and me keep a healthy heart. While COVID gets all the headlines, it's important to realize that heart disease kills nearly 700,000 Americans every year. Yes, heart disease is the number one killer every year, year in and year out. Heart disease builds over time. Hypertension, high blood pressure, bad cholesterol, diabetes, all of it affects our heart. A healthy heart is key to being energetic as we get older. It is never too early to take care of your heart. You see, heart disease sneaks up on us. You can start in your 30s, and when this happens, you're at serious risk by the time you turn 60. If you want to take care of your heart and those you care about, please go to warroomhealth.com. That's warroomhealth.com. All one word, warroomhealth.com. Use the code warroom at checkout to save 67% 
of your first shipment. That's code WARROOM at checkout to save 67%. Do it again. WARROOM HEALTH, all one word, WARROOMHEALTH.COM. Go there today. You need, if you're going to be part of the posse, you need a strong heart. You need a lion's heart. How we're going to do that is with Salty. Go there. Do it today. Check it out.